Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is my, my, my ghetto celebrity. Yes. Oh, my ghetto spaghetti! <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm Colleen Witt, and we are on another episode of Eating While Broke. Today, I have the lovely A.J. Crimson from A.J. Crimson Beauty, and he is whipping us a lovely, looks like a gourmet Eating While Broke dish. So tell us what you're making for us. So today, I'm going to make an amazing spaghetti that I just absolutely love, and uh, yeah, you're going to love it. Yay! Excited! Okay, well, this doesn't look like a traditional Eating While Broke dish, so... um, one, feed me. Um, I'm definitely going to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely going to. So it's going to be great. So, I mean, yeah. And I, and I guess when, when I heard about it and you're like, hey, like, what's the dish that you were, that you ate while you were broke? And I was like, okay, I had to think about it for a little while because it was either going to be like rice, you know, because I kind of get like, like eggs and rice. But then also, too, I eat a lot of noodles and eat a lot of spaghetti noodles. So, um, so this is going to be my version of that. So, yeah. Nice. Gotta, I mean, we have, we have a, the water boiling over awesome. here, which is Perfect. really great. You just rest that right over there. So I will do that right here. Yeah. So I'll take some. Go ahead. Should we just do the whole thing? Do the whole thing. Yeah, let's just do it. Why not? Live a large. Exactly. And I actually can eat all of these by yeah. myself, like in one sitting. So I, I really love spaghetti. Um, oh, really? I do. Actually, I so love So I little... did a little switch up that AJ does not know about today. Um, I just found out that they have protein noodles. Really? What is that? What we're about to eat today. Oh, I nice. switched you protein noodles because okay. I wanted to watch the carbs. Well, that's a lot of salt. Uh, it's for the water, so it's oh. really for the water. You really won't taste it in the noodles. Um, and, but also, this is Himalayan sea salt, so you don't want to use too much because mm-hmm. Himalayan sea salt tends to be a lot saltier than uh, regular table salt. And but it's also healthier too. So oh, is that what? I was yeah. I was actually wondering what the difference between the Himalayan and, and that's when I started to question your brokenness right there. <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely a little bougie. He has, he has I'm I'm, a, I'm, butter, a, I'm bougie broke for sure. Okay. Um, I think that uh, I, my dad used to tell me I can t- this. That's a great story actually. So I had to be about maybe twelve or thirteen, mm-hmm. and we were picking out um, silverware for the house, and I 
just was thumbing through. He was like, oh, like, what do you think? And whatever I picked, I guess it was like super expensive. Yeah. And he said, boy, you got rich taste and poor pockets. Ooh. And I just, I've always remembered that. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, like I, I have to, I love that I have rich taste, but now I, I can't have poor pockets. Yeah. You know, so I have to feel, I have to catch up to myself. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of always been in me to, um, like nice things. Yeah. And you know what I like about, my mom used to always say, uh, and I'm going to sit because you're doing all the cooking. Um, you don't want to help? Uh, no, it's the, uh, I'll help with the, the sauce part. Okay. <laughs> this is good. This is just how you do it at home too. Like when mm-hmm. the, everything is like bubbling over and exactly. messing up the stove. Um, but, but yeah, my mom used to always say that uh, poor is more long term and broke is temporary. Mm, I so like that. Uh, even when we were doing eating while broke, it's awesome to have uh, entrepreneurs like yourself, self-made individuals like yourself on the show. Because honestly, I think sometimes when you're in the situation of being broke or you don't have enough money to to get whatever project off the ground, yeah, it's like you can sometimes think it's a forever plan, but mm. you. And uh, other self-made individuals are living proof that it's possible. So with that being said, I'm curious, how did you get AJ Crimson Beauty off the ground? Uh, So AJ Crimson Beauty was actually founded in 2013. This is my second brand. Uh, My first brand was called Kissable Couture, which I launched in 2007. Uh, But I learned a lot when I was building that brand. So that by the time AJ Crimson Beauty came along, um, I knew that I wasn't gonna spend as much money, you know, as I did with the first brand. I knew that I was gonna utilize social media a little bit more. Um, So I started this brand with about $5,000. And it was, but to basically level that out, I had already started some of the formulation in the old brand, okay. you know, while doing the old brand. I was just like, I knew what I wanted to do. So by the time this idea and this concept had come along, it was just more of a about implementation. And I started really small. I started really small. I think that people often think that they have to go big and, you know, have 45 colors. I started with eight shades mm-hmm. that I had already kind of developed and I needed to get a, a, a concept around. I took it to a trade show. People seemed to resonate with it, and uh, and I sold out that first day, which was really amazing. I'll use this. And you and, said uh, 2013, this right? This was 2000. Well, 2012 is 2012. kind of when I started like actually developing, but to, it came out in 2013. Yeah. So this is all before the Fenties of the world yes. and all that came out. Yeah. So how- so we've been inclusive. We were inclusive before inclusive became like a buzzword. Oh, can you? For the people like myself, what what does that mean, inclusive? So right now, you know, everybody's like, oh, diversity. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants to get in diversity training and making sure that everybody is included and their voice matters. Uh, when I started Age of Crimson Beauty, it was really, I've been traveling and touring with like Hillary Duff and Fergie and, and Estelle and Estelle for like three years. So uh, Christina Milian, Faith Evans, all these girls I have been working with, um, Amory, and there are a myriad of shades, and I always had to kind of come uh, to the table and figure out like how I was going to match their foundation or mat- do the things that I needed yeah. to do for them, you know, so that they look and feel their best as a makeup artist, right? Yeah. And 
there weren't a lot of colors on the market. There weren't a lot of, it just wasn't a lot of everything, you know, in a, in a way that spoke to black women or women of color directly. And I think that's what we're dealing with now. That's what we're seeing more of now. Black women are standing up and saying, hey, you know, I have a voice. I would like to see myself <clears throat> in the ad campaigns, uh, that kind of thing. So Adrian Crimson Beauty from the start was always about not leaving that girl out. Yeah. You know, we started with the darkest color first and worked our way worked our way backwards um, to make sure that, you know, she was seen. Yeah. You know? And it sounds like you had a lot of experience because you were working with, you, it sounds like you were working with white girls and black girls. For sure. When I was a kid, and I, I joke about this, I mean, it's not really a joking matter, but I, I, I came from a little bit of child abuse, and mm. I remember when you try to cover up bruises, and I'm mixed. Oh, wow. You know, you couldn't find a palette that right. would cover and this this sounds completely ridiculous but you couldn't find a color to cover my face because at that time there was no like you know the six grades in between of shades it was just either white or black and it was like oh awkward white no so many things are like that you're right yeah and i think that was that was what i was up against Mm -hmm. you know it really was again like i started with i felt like the lighter shades were easier to make Mm -hmm. um it was the deeper colors that you just didn't see like i started with a a girl who's south sudanese and i was like hey if i can match her my first round was terrible it was horrible like i literally i thought i had the darkest color i was at a a, testing at a trade show i put it on this girl i was like hey i got the perfect color for you she came up i was like give me your hand and i went to swatch it and uh we literally looked at it all I could see was green in it. She looked at it. She looked at me. And I was just like, she's like, okay. It, it was no way to spin it. Yeah, no yeah. way to spin it to make it feel better or work. And I was like, all right, I got to go back to the drawing board. But that's how it happens. You know what I mean? I didn't stress out about it, but I knew it had to happen there first because no one talks to her. You know, and... Um, and once we got it right, then I was able to really mix and blend all of the other colors backwards. Nice. So that was cool. So now you do have a shade that can um, work for you exactly. in my brand, so I will definitely make sure you get that. Thank you. For and sure. I love this of color, by the way. I'm super it's obsessed. It's called Nude, which I, is like, it's so good. Like, everyone you know, that's look like out the most for this lip color. color. Um, I actually I, made that for Cassie. I'm really, ooh. Yeah. Okay, well, mm-hmm. I'm wearing Okay, okay. I feel even more special. That was like a custom How color. does someone from Detroit, and I, and I say that with endearment, Detroit, I feel like, is... Uh, has been the underdog for a long time. Mm-hmm. When I hear you say names like Hillary Duff or or Estelle, um, I'm just like, how do you how how do you make your way from Detroit to Hollywood? Um, I was very ambitious. I've always been very ambitious. I think that um, since I was a little kid, I I've, I've never I didn't know how I was going to be successful. I just knew I was going to be successful. And there weren't a lot of people that necessarily believed in that dream, or maybe even knew, I wouldn't say but didn't believe in it. They just didn't know how to believe in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I knew I had to, uh, I had to figure that out. And, uh, I just had made connections. So I used to work at a radio station called WJLB. Um, it was the number one station in the city. And I produced the music, uh, the six to 10 show from, uh, with Bushman at the time. And, um, I ended up meeting a woman named Peggy Body, who was, uh, the arts development coordinator for Biv 10 Records. And Michael Bivens decided to do, uh, an album project with a couple of kids in Detroit. So I helped to kind of find those groups. I went to intern for her. Then it turned into me actually styling one of the groups. And I was like, oh, this is dope. And, you know, like, okay, so I'm starting to put the words together for the things that I 
had interest in, but I didn't know what they were. Yeah. You know, so find, like, oh, fashion stylist. Okay, cool. Like, makeup artist. Uh, and how stylist. young were you then? Um, like, maybe 17 or 18 wow. around this time. Wow. And, uh, and it was... It was just a good. It was just a good time. You know what I mean. Like just figuring all of that stuff out. So, um, having worked on that, I styled my first video and all that stuff. And if fast forward, I had a friend who was a director, a local director. She ended up getting a job as an art department coordinator on um, on Eight Mile, a movie mm-hmm. Eight Mile with Eminem and Brittany Murphy. And she was well, like, AJ. No one's ever. You don't even need to. Oh. <laughs> it's Eight Mile. Okay? No, you know you sometimes you know, you you just even never know, right? To this show or watching this show, and you don't know Eight Mile. Then what are you doing? I don't here? know. But yeah, so and, you were uh, an A mile. So I, so she was like, AJ, like I'm working on this movie. You need to give me your resume. And at that time, I had got a job at a Mac store to just kind of learn mm-hmm. makeup and everything. I was just trying to learn everything I could, you know. And um, I gave her my resume for wardrobe and for makeup. And the wardrobe department actually got back to me first. <laughs> um, so with Eight Mile. I was actually walking into my job, my part-time job at Mac, mm-hmm. and uh, and I only took this job because I really wanted to just learn skin and foundation because I, you know, I worked with an artist prior to that, and the makeup artist that we had hired could not get the references. And I'm really big on reference, like I just, you know, that's what I was taught, you know. So when the makeup artist did her own thing outside of the book of reference that we had created, mm-hmm. I was just like, what? I was like. Can you show me this in the book? Yeah. And she was like, oh, I just decided to do this. And I was like, mm. I was like, no, I'm pretty literal about my references. I wish I had your stuff because I would do it myself. Yeah. You know, and I think I, it sounded kind of rude when it came out. Yeah. But there was a lot of money on the line, yeah. right? And it, we're doing an album cover shoot. So I, um, I took the girl to, a Mac, to that Mac store. And I was like, hey, like, can you guys recreate one of these looks? And because I thought about what I said. I was like, I'm going to learn how to do the makeup that I want to see um, just to see if I could do it. They end up hiring me because I went back for a job on this particular day that uh, the costume supervisor called. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was walking into that job and they were like, hey, like, we'd love to interview you. We have your resume. Like, what can, um, you know, can you come down and meet us? And I was like, oh, like, you know, I'm getting ready to walk into work. Like, can we, you know, can we do it like another day? And uh, hold on, I'm thank going by. Yes, please. You Mind see you, I feel like uh, Look, I'm talking. we have a. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. It's coming together yeah, really yeah. well. Um, I've never been on this side of the table. Are you serious? Look it feels so cool. So, I'm sure I've pissed off all the video guys in the room, but... Oh, no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Here, will you give it to me and you go it, back and sit it, it looks great. No, so go on. Great, continue with this story. So, you and I could talk for days, just so you know. I feel like we can. I feel like, I feel we're, like we're we can, future sure. besties. Um, right, let's do it. Let's do that. <laughs> let's, let's not stop this. So... Um, so John Casey called me. He was like, Hey, like, can you come down for an interview? And I was just like, uh, I was like, I'm, I'm walking into work right now. Can we do it like another day? I'm like, no, like we're actually trying to book for this right now. So, you know, if something else comes up, we'll give you a call back. And in that moment, like I was devastated. Like my heart literally dropped because it was just like, hold on. Like what just happened here? Like I'm walking into a job that is not my career at all. To not go and interview for the job that absolutely my career goal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, no, I, I just couldn't believe it was happening to me. And I, I was heartbroken, you know, to be honest. So you, you actually showed up to work? Well, I was right there. I was in front of the. I was in front I of the door. I couldn't even. I couldn't have. I didn't. You know, but I'm very loyal, yeah, and I'm also committed. Like when I make commitments, like I. You know, it's like you keep your commitments, yeah. right? You don't just you don't just bail on people like did they were you, depending on me. Did you sleep okay that night? 
Um, I, I don't think I did. Like, I, I, I literally thought, I, that's when I, I was like, I'll never let, yeah. I'll never let um, something like that happen to me again, you know? Yeah. Like, this is my, this is my life on the line, yeah. you know? So, I was actually on 8 Mile with a photographer looking at some photographs that we had worked on, and um, I'm going to turn this up just a little bit, and... Uh, what was he doing? He, we were looking at the pictures and I got another phone call. And I was like, yeah, like, where are you guys at? Like, I'll come and meet you. I'm actually on 8 Mile, like, right now. And they're like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Like, come down and meet us. I did have to work that day mm-hmm. at the Mac store. Um, and when I got down there, they were like, hey, like, you know, so this is the job. It is doing laundry overnight. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And they were like, are you concerned? I was like, no. I was like, can you do laundry? I was like, yeah, like, I can, I can figure it out. If you show me what you need, I'll do it. And he's like, and I was like, well, you're probably thinking, like, why do we need you to do laundry? And I was like, yeah, like, why do you need me to do laundry? And they're like, well, because in Hollywood, like, we have, you know, overnight laundry services. They send the costumes out, and they come back the next morning fresh for the actors. I was like, all right, cool. Like, obviously, we're in Detroit. We don't have that 24-hour cleaners. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be the 24-hour cleaner. I was like, all right, sounds good. They're like, this job doesn't pay very well. It's not. A, oh, it's I not was g- hoping you were going to say it paid well. No, they're like, it doesn't pay a lot. They said it doesn't pay a lot. I was like, well, how much does it pay? And it's like, well, it pays um, it pays a hundred dollars a day. Is this the right one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it says it pays a hundred dollars a day, and I was like, okay, well, that sounds good. I'll, I'll take that. And um, they're like, are you sure? I was like, yep. And then I was like, when do you need me to start? They're like, can you start right now? I was like, I sure can. <laughs> Let me make a phone call. AT and T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So it sounds like you went from, you were doing makeup, you temporarily was the laundry man, which is amazing, because I think a lot of people... 
Well, some people probably would have taken it, but a lot of people maybe wouldn't have. I think that was a good judgment call on your part. For sure. I mean, it's not always about the money. And I think that's where a lot of people miss out on opportunities these days uh, because they're thinking about the money, especially when you don't have experience. Now, yes, I had some experience, but I had never worked on a movie, like a major yeah. motion picture before. Not, a, not enough to where I could demand anything. Yeah. And you, and again, there was a bigger picture. And the bigger picture was for someone to want to take me out of Detroit, to like take me yeah. under their wing and say, hey, you're coming with us. Like when this, when this movie leaves here, I want to go with it. So that week that I ended up in the hospital and not being able to go, I told the doctor, I was like, hey, like when do we start? Like how do we get this going? He's like, what are you, like why are you in such a rush? I was like, I said, I have a flight on Friday. I said, he's like, where are you going? I said, I'm going to LA. I'm going to start a new life. Like I literally, those are my words. I was like, I'm going to start my new life on Friday. I'll be, I'm moving to LA. My dad ended up telling me that it wasn't going to happen that way. And it took about two months for my face to go back down. But I, I started watching behind the music. And uh, I want to say on the last day of my appointment where everything was clear and I was good to go, my car blew up. Like the engine in my car had blown up. Oh my uh, it was a car like one of my, one of my homegirls had given me. You know, so um, I was just like, I just started laughing because I was like, what am I going to do? Like what? Like I don't have I don't have shit else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like my I had burnt my hand. I had a third degree burn on my hand, you know, which had happened like a couple weeks before that. I was just like, what is happening with this city? Like, why is it trying to hold me back like this? And did you feel like it was holding you back or do you feel like and I and I sometimes feel this way. It's like sometimes when you're so, so focused, I feel like for lack of better words, I'm, I'm not trying to object to anyone spiritually, mm -hmm. but I always feel like the devil comes to mess with you right when you're either like so close to the goal. It's like I'm going to distract you with a whole bunch yeah. of riffraff. Do you feel like it was that or do you feel like it was just Detroit was like, I'm determined to keep you here? I don't think it was Detroit. I think it was the people. Like, I mean, you know, I felt like my brother was like really, you know, sad that I was going to leave because mm -hmm. he felt like maybe I was leaving him behind. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that it was just a lot of, I think it was a lot of sad energy more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, moreover, uh, I was just about to do the here. same thing. I saw that. <laughs> I was like, I don't want us to go out of business over here. Um, I think it was a lot of that. So this next round, it was really just more or less keeping it to myself and like keeping it locked inside, but also not allowing whatever that energy was to overpower my dream. You know, mm -hmm. like I knew I still had to accomplish this dream and, um, and I just found myself like watching behind the music and, and, uh, I watched one on Diddy and he mm -hmm. was going back and forth from like DC to, uh, from DC to, uh, New York. And is this one for this one? Yes. And he will use our sauce. This is our sauce. So this is, this is store-bought sauce. Just yes. so you know, store-bought yes. sauce. Progresso, um, progresso with the meat. With, with the meat. So well, the meat flavor or something. Meat flavor, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that an interesting meat flavor? But it's really good. So, uh, I was watching Behind the Music. So I watched J-Lo, I watched Diddy, and I watched Left Eye. And each of them had like 750 bucks. Or like, mm -hmm. one was on the bus. Like, Diddy was on the bus back and forth from D.C. to New York. Yeah. J-Lo had got kicked out of her house, you know, was living in the basement of our dance studio. And, uh, you know, she basically caught the bus uh, to L.A. to be a fly girl and, you know, ended up dancing for Janet Jackson and became Jennifer Lopez. And yeah. then left eye, she took a bus to Philly with 700 bucks and got into TLC and became one of the biggest selling groups of all time. So I was like, all right, cool. So how much money you got left? I got about 700 bucks left yeah. for my savings. And, uh, and I was like, I'm just going to get on the bus. I think that's what it is. And I got on the bus. I'm going to let that heat up a little bit more. Um, 
I bought a bus ticket on a Greyhound. I packed one bag of makeup, like a carry-on, and one bag of clothes. Mm -hmm. And I didn't tell anybody. My brother was actually supposed to drop me off, and he got there late. Mm -hmm. And uh, the day I planned to leave, and I was already in a cab. And uh, when he finally showed up, and I just threw my keys out the window, and I was like, hey, I'll call you when I get there. And... um, and because uh, I, I, I just couldn't be I couldn't miss it. You know what I mean? Like, and that was like another one of those things where the universe was just going to try to step in and stop me because I would if I had been waiting on him, then I would have gotten there late and I would have missed my bus. Yeah. So I got down there. I called my mother as the bus was backing out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was like, hey, I think I'm gonna try to go to L.A. again. And she was like, OK, like, when do you think you're going to go? And I was like. <laughs> So actually, right now, she's like, where are you? I was like, I am on a Greyhound. And she was like, okay, uh, when are you coming back? I was like, I don't know. And she was like, how long is it going to take you to get there? I was like, three days. And she was like, will you call me when you get there? And I was like, yeah, I'll call you when I get there. And I got off the phone, and I actually, um, I just started to cry a little bit. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I think it was like, I am even feel like I want to cry now. But like, because that, that moment just always... Like, that's the first time that I ever was, like, getting ready to, like, just do something as big on my yeah. own, you know? And uh, and I've been, I felt like I've been fighting hard for that moment, and it was finally here. So, backed out. Now, halfway through the trip, maybe I got to Vegas, so I called Mark Bridges. And this is, mind you, this is two months Did later. Did you say backed out? No, so I, we backed oh, out of the, yeah. we, we, we backed out of, the, out of the depot, but we're, like, two days into the trip now. And I'm in Vegas, and this is also two months later from when I had originally spoke to Mark about staying yeah. at his place when he offered. And uh, I was like, hey, Mark, it's AJ. Like, he was like, hey, what's up, AJ? Like, how you doing? I was like, I'm doing good. He's like, you feeling better? I was like, yeah, I'm feeling much better. Like, how are you? He's like, oh, I'm doing great. Um, I, I know how I want to do this. So then mm-hmm. I said, hey, is it still okay if I come and stay at your place? And he was like, yeah. Like, when do you think you want to come? I was like, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow. He was, like, <laughs> he was like, where are you? I was like, I'm on a Greyhound. I said, I, I know it's like short notice, but I didn't, I didn't have a, I just couldn't think about it. Yeah. I had a window of opportunity. It, oh, the door opened and I had to go with it. And uh, he was like, you know what? Just tell me where to pick you up and I'll be there. And like, can you grow, nice. turn it down for me? And, uh, and he was there and it picked me oh, up. And literally that was the, that was the first day to the rest of my life. Like, oh, wow. you know, like it just, it just went from there. Like, I mean, the, 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 the awesomeness that was that I got to experience just even living with him, you know, like Alicia Silverstone was like in our kitchen like one morning and I walked out. It was crazy. It so was dope. I have to ask now and only because we're cutting short <sighs> and it sucks because I, I have so we many need, questions. We need but more time. I talk too much. I'm so when sorry. When it comes to no, you don't. Um, when it comes to AJ Crimson Beauty. Yeah. What was, like, some of the biggest hurdles getting the brand off the ground? And I have to know, like, an insider scoop of uh, wearing too many hats, too. Okay, I can see that. So, I actually, luckily, like, at the time I did AJ Crimson Beauty, I was also running another business. So, um, I didn't have to, uh, so I wasn't struggling. I wasn't on my knuckles. You know what I mean? Like I was when I first got to L.A. But um, I think the biggest thing, I want to say that one of the biggest challenges was, like, in our growth process mm-hmm. was dealing with um, would-be would be investors think or even thinking that I needed an investor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because everybody will have you thinking like, oh, you, you know, you should be doing this. You should be selling this much product. You could do this. Like I, when I when I first launched it, I did um I did about sixty thousand wow. in 
in two months. Like, and that was at launch. You and know what I mean? And that was just no funding. That was no funding. That was me funding it, and uh, and we're still so funded. Actually, I was like, wow. I'm going to build this business, and it's going to fund itself. You know, and uh, and we'll just grow that way. And and so I did that sixty thousand just off of Instagram. You know, and that was when Insta- when you really could do it off of Instagram. Yeah. And um, I love our meal. Yo, this so this meal like, looks so good. I want to go home and make it for my mate so he can think I'm a gourmet chef because this is the best-looking eating while broke dish <laughs> you know, I've ever seen. Listen, I, you know, like I said in the beginning, I think you broke is a mind. Broke yeah. is a mindset, you know what I mean? And I've never, and like my dad said, I had rich taste but poor pockets. But so it's, it's about taste, you know what I mean? I think you just have to kind of go into, you don't have to, just because you don't have a lot of money, Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that you. Oh, have it looks to, so lovely, everyone. To live like it. Today we don't have overhead cameras, so. Well, we don't have overhead. Look, I know. Okay, well, hopefully you can see it, but it. Okay, I want you it to taste so it. It looks so good. So hopefully, um, if you need salt or pepper, I don't think here. I'll need salt or pepper. Good. Can I sit down with you? Yes, you please. Can I, can I come over? You slaved in the kitchen for me. Yes, please. Oh, and I got my Verners. Yes, we have the Verners. Thank you. So this is a ginger. Detroit classic Verners ginger ale. Ginger. Mmm. Delicious. So oh, good. you can taste the difference. I haven't had that in so long. That's so yeah. good. So, I'm going to try and take a bite. Well, I'm going to let you take a bite. Okay. Hopefully it's um, good. Because I, I didn't taste any of this, but I think it's This great. looks so good. delicious. So, this is green onions. Uh, no, no. Onions, green pepper. Onions, green pepper. Vegan butter. Meat spaghetti sauce. And spaghetti. Polish and Polish sausage. Mm-hmm. And it looks amazing. I was surprised you didn't add cheese to this dish. No, no dairy. Mm. This is so good. Oh my god! I'm totally finishing this. <laughs> this, I'm definitely gonna finish this. But I'm surprised that you're not taking funding because I see a lot of venture capitalists now. Yeah. All of a sudden, I hate to say all of a sudden, but it's true. Yeah, totally all is. of a sudden, stepping up, and you see brands also all of a sudden not only you know taking in brands, but they're also giving decent shelving space, which is. Yeah. A big deal. I felt like, for me, the conversations I was having, they weren't lining up with my values. They didn't, they said they saw the vision, but I didn't feel like they were there. They were really there to try to take over the business. And for me, it was never, I didn't put my name on this company to be an employee of my own company. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't do that. And I I, I even called Bobby Brown, like, mm-hmm. you know, 25 years in the business, you know, billion dollar brand, sold it to Estee Lauder. I literally her in the DM because I was I was like who can I talk to that has been where I've where I'm trying to go that can offer me some guidance because when I looked to the people to my left and to my right people weren't really actively looking to share you know and it was also like who can you who can you be vulnerable with you know without people looking down on you you know or feeling like or making you feel like you're not successful or at what you're trying to do and you know so I just took a chance on contacting her and uh and we had a really great conversation and you know and one of the things I said hey I need like two million dollars like one will you give it to me because <laughs> you know because I know, cause I know you got DM. it she did she responded she was like I was like hey can we get a, can we jump on a call mm-hmm. you know I don't know if you remember me I met you backstage mm-hmm. at a fashion show like mm-hmm. with Estelle like years ago it would be you know I have some questions about my beauty business I don't even know if you know about it but you know here's my page check it out let me know 
I was literally sleeping and I had been going through one of the hardest times of my business. You know, I was trying to open, I had a new a LA location. I was trying to open a New York location. Okay. I had hired these people to like paint. They painted it all wrong. So I had to fly to, you know, New York to, fl- to paint it myself because oh, I wasn't wow. going to pay to do it again. Yeah. I had a girl who had quit on me, you know, just yeah. abruptly like during a holiday weekend. It was just so many things. And I had one employee that was off and we're a very small team. So it's just like, I was like, this is too much. And I, I literally found myself in Times Square, like, what am I doing? I was like, what am I doing? I was like, this is not how it's supposed to be. Like, this is not how it's supposed to feel. Like, you know, I'm, I can't go back to my friend's house because it's four o'clock in the morning because I just got, I don't want to wake them up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like I don't, I can't go book check into a hotel right now because the timing is off. I was like, this is, this is not how it's supposed yeah. to work. You know, so when I hit her up, it was really out of, uh, it was a bit of, I I won't say desperation. I was just needed the right guidance. I needed somebody to care and somebody to just. Or re-spark that engine when you're there, right? Or just to tell me that I'm on the right path. I needed a sign that I was on the right path. So when I asked her, I was like, hey, like, you know, this is what I'm trying to do. This is the conversations that I'm having. Uh, you know, this is the kind of money I need. You know, she said, why did you open the store? I was like, because every, every retailer that I went to told me that black women don't shop here and they didn't want to take my brand. Wow. And it wasn't that my brand wasn't good or, or good enough because it rivals, my brand is the bl- blueprint for a lot of brands mm-hmm. that are out there now. Yeah. You know, it's the benchmark. So it's just like, I was like, I had to open, I had to make my own way. I've always had to make my own way. So I was not a, not accustomed to doing that. But in this particular case, it was like, hey, like, every, you know, you're getting all this, these mixed messages of like what business is supposed to be and what your business is supposed to be like. And, um, and I was just trying to weigh my options. So I was like, I think I need $2 million to really take this to the next level. Uh, you know, these are the conversations I've been having. I was like, do, one, do you have $2 million you yeah. want to invest or a million? She was like, well, I can't do it because, you know, like uh, my deal with Estee Lauder uh, upon her departure. But I was like, all right, cool. And then she said, don't take anybody's money. She's like, don't take anybody. She said, you're not going to want to hear this, but don't take anybody's money. And I was like, well, like, why? And she said, because once you do that, then the brand is no longer yours. It's no longer wow. yours. It, belong, it belongs to the person that gave you the money. Yeah. And that is what I knew, mm-hmm. you know, because I have that happen more times than not where people have gone into these deals prematurely mm-hmm. and uh, thinking like, oh, I need this investor. I need to do this as opposed to, it wasn't that I needed an investor. I just needed more sales. Yeah, I needed more sales. I needed to hit the ground running and more impact. And and that was what we did. So after having that conversation, I had turned down those bad deals because they really were bad mm-hmm. deals. Like somebody was trying to get like 75% of my company for like zero dollars. <laughs> and I was like, do you, do you realize I can make this in yeah. like this short amount of time? I would shut the store down. I'll do it. I'll liquidate before I do. Yeah. You know, before I do this kind of deal. And um, and that was what I did. And, you know, and I'm, I'm proud of my journey. I'm, yeah. I'm proud of the way that I stuck to my guns. And, yeah, I own 100% of it, but I fought for my You own 100%? I own 100% of my business. Just before we close out, uh, <laughs> you own 100%. I own, I own AJ Crimson Beauty 100%. That's and amazing. When the time comes, if the time comes, then yes, I will be open to have a bigger conversation uh, about, you know, investment partners, uh, but only when only when I'm ready and exactly. when, the, when the brand is ready for that. You and know? let them knock and beat down your door. I'm Absolutely. just curious now, um, where are you, where can people pick up your products? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so you can always get it from ajcrimson.com, mm-hmm. uh, but then also too, we're launching a Nordstrom. 
Okay. So I think that probably by the time uh, definitely this, by the time this comes this out, comes out uh, <gasps> we will have already Nordstrom, bought. everybody. So. so I guess the black women do go in Nordstrom, huh? They do. You know, and I think <laughs> I think this time everything has yeah. shifted. Mm-hmm. You know, like after coming off of you know uh, the Black Lives Movement, mm-hmm. uh, you know, protests and people really doubling down on accountability. Mm-hmm on the diversity that they say that they have, especially, and we have to give our hats off to Sharon Shooter of Oma Beauty because she really kind of kicked that conversation mm-hmm. off and really all people down to the carpet. And I think there was that conversation where it got everybody on, on board. And this quarantine, like, really isolated us to a point where we almost kind of went we're going crazy and we got to see the injustice that was happening yeah. around us as opposed to, like, living in our own little bubbles, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, a lot of the retailers, uh, you know, we had conversations with, but Nordstrom felt the best. They actually, as opposed to me, like, pitching to them, they were pitching to us. And they were saying, wow. hey, like, we understand what, you, what you're doing. We understand that we have this customer here. We love what you've been doing. And what I'm creating is something so different. You know, it's pro-luxury. You know, so, you know, there isn't a black black-owned brand that is a luxury brand. Yeah. You know, and that was what I set out to do. And... And, you know, and you have a professional edge. It's, it's pro solutions for everyday women. So um, I, I love seeing that translate through. I love that I'm with a retail partner that understands, like, my goal and, mm-hmm. and are willing to grow with me. And they and represent me. that luxury. So they're, they're right it's aligned the with the perfect. It's and- the perfect sweet spot, like, for my brand, for sure. And I think that was something, too, we had always been thinking about, like, where does AJ Crimson get to live? Where does AJ Crimson Beauty get to live? Because we're not drugstore, you know, and, um, you know, we're not middle, we're not mastige, mm-hmm. you know, like that middle ground. We, we really are, you know, a higher end brand. You know, we just happen to speak to uh, black women first. And, yeah. um, and it's an exciting time. I'm so, so excited yeah. for you. Thank you. And now this it makes all cool. the sense in the world why we're eating a luxury <laughs> Eating While Broke meal. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on an Thank episode of Eating While Broke. I secretly want you to come back. So hopefully, Anytime. yes, come back and share more stories because I don't think there's enough time in the world to, to even... You have so much, like even behind the scenes and just, I feel like there's so much knowledge and stuff we could talk about, um, especially when it comes to building the brand and taking it to other levels. So I hope you come back with a even cooler dish. I'm sure I can think of something for sure. So thank you everyone for tuning in to Eating While Broke. I'm here with AJ Crimson from AJ Crimson Beauty, the luxury of beauty. Thank you you. so much for coming out. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. For more Eating While Broke from iHeartRadio and The Black Effect, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa, and we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. 
I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.